breathing deeply because this painting caused me a lot of anguish. I painted it, then I painted over it because I thought there's no way, I, I just can't, I can't put this out to the world. I have some pretty thick skin. You know, you have to be as a black female sushi chef, you know. Over the years, you know, people have said a lot of inappropriate things to me and I've just kind of like brushed it off. And, you know, my form of activism is to just stand up and just continue to be positive and move forward. So when I decided to repaint and put this out into the world, I thought, no, this is something that needs to be said. Welcome to Disloyal, a podcast from the Jewish Museum of Maryland. I'm your host, Mark Gunnery. Today on the show, we're continuing our series on offense around the Torah, the Jewish Museum of Maryland's latest contemporary art exhibit. It explores how Jewish communities navigate the concepts of safety and unsafety in traditional, contemporary, and futuristic ways. I'm speaking with the artists and curators who made the exhibit possible. You can experience the art from this exhibit at offensearoundthetorah.com. Today, I'm joined by Marissa Baggett. Marissa Baggett is a multidiscipline creative who, as she puts it, combines contemporary sensibilities with beloved Jewish traditions via kosher food, paintings, and writing. She contributed two paintings to Offense Around the Torah. One, called Are You Jewish?, reflects her experiences as a Black Jewish woman in Jewish institutional spaces, and the other, Talmud Shinoi, reflects on Jewish communal care. Marissa Baggett, thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. Happy to be here. I'm also joined by Justin Fair. Justin Fair is a lay leader with the Jews of Color Mishpacha Project, and he was on the curatorial panel for Offense Around the Torah. Justin Fair, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. Thank you. And just a note, we had some issues with the sound early on for the first few minutes of the show, but we worked it out, so don't touch that dial. Marissa Baggett, I want to start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your art? Sure. So I think like most people, the pandemic and kind of thinking about what what that means for my everyday life has kind of changed everything. I've had a lot of time to focus and think, and I realized that I have a lot of pent-up thoughts about issues and just, you know, what's happening in the world, what has happened in the world, where things look like they might be going in the world. And I think that for me, expressing my thoughts through art, um, especially painting and writing, has been something that I put on the back burner. And I've kind of made a big switch because most of my career has been in the food industry. Um, I've actually been in food since I was 19. That has been my focus. And, you know, people don't necessarily look to a chef and say, hey, what do you think about, you know, what's happening right now? And art is definitely a way to express that. And moving into the future, I'm really looking forward to continuing to explore the themes and just all of these thoughts that I've had kind of built up and put them out creatively into the world. 
Like I said when I introduced you, your art combines the contemporary with the traditional. Can you speak a little bit more about that and especially how it relates to creating explicitly Jewish art and culture? Sure. You know, I think the most important thing to realize is that at some point in time, everything that we hold as a beloved tradition was contemporary for the time. And I think that while there are traditions that we certainly adore and, you know, really just feel so central to Jewish life, there are things that we wish existed that don't. And for me, creating things that are explicitly Jewish based on tradition is more of a necessity. It's a way to express and kind of update some of the things in Jewish life that, you know, we haven't addressed, you know, in our times. And it's also a way to, you know, represent people and communities that aren't represented as often. So you, of course, are a painter, but you also cook and write about kosher food. And you used to own a kosher deli and catering company. And I was especially intrigued to learn that you're interested in kosher sushi because I used to work at a kosher fish counter. How do you relate to Jewish food traditions and how do you put your own spin on them? Well, first, I have to say that's so cool that you worked at a Jewish, um, a kosher fish counter. Um, I wish we had one of those here in Memphis. So actually, my blending of the kosher food and my journey to Judaism are actually highly entwined. I actually was in the process of studying Judaism when I went to sushi school in L.A., And sushi school in L.A. was probably one of the most transformative things that's ever happened in my life. It took me out of everything that I knew. I was definitely a fish out of water. Here I am, a girl from Mississippi going out to Los Angeles. The culture is so different. And I really immersed myself in this whole sushi school experience. And the one thing that I held on to while I was going through sushi school was crafting my own Jewish identity. And one of the easiest ways for me to do that while I was in LA in a whole different culture that I was unfamiliar with was to really focus on what I ate. And so I actually kept kosher while in sushi school. My senseis did not love that, but that's a whole other story. It really has informed everything that I've done food-wise since, just, you know, this idea of keeping kosher. And, you know, people ask me, well, isn't that, isn't that so restrictive? And, you know, what about all the things you can't use? And for me, it's not about what you can't use. It's about what amazing things are available that you can. I don't know. I think I find that having a certain pool of things that, you know, are wonderful and available to use really sparks my creativity. And um, it actually makes it quite easy for me really to say, oh, we can, you know, take this set of things and create this wonderful thing. Justin Fair, I want to turn to you. Like I said earlier, you were on the curatorial panel for Offense Around the Torah. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you were drawn to participate in this project? Of course. Um, 
I'm very grateful to be asked to be on the panel. I grew up here in Baltimore, uh, in Baltimore County. My family, my dad's side is from Stantown, Winchester uh, area, Harlem Park. So after the highway to nowhere and all that, all my dad's family moved out to various sections of the west side of the city. And so I grew up going to Beth Israel uh, congregation over when they were on Liberty Road. And then the Jews continued to migrate towards Owens Mills, Reichersgown area. And I had to learn the Jewish world beyond, you know, Liberty Road. Went to high school in Towson, River Center, went to University of Maryland, for, and then came back. I, my family has always been in the Baltimore area. My uh, husband and I just bought a house here in East Baltimore. And um, it's been really nice sort of reconnecting with the city. I joined Bethlehem Synagogue maybe six, seven years ago now. It's funny how time flies. And I joined because when I had left college, you know, I, I graduated and I was sort of in between the I-95 corridor. I wanted to find a synagogue that reflected my interests, reflected me, that I didn't have to change anything on. I could just enjoy it for what it was. And I was so grateful that uh, Betham had a body of Jews of color already in the congregation. It was a diverse group of people. Not a lot of people, but the ones that were there were diverse. And it was a congregation where you could be just at a normal everyday service on a Saturday morning. And before you know it, the rabbi is talking about social justice and bringing a speaker from the interfaith dialogue world or speaking about, uh, you know, uh, uh, Elijah Cummings' work, various things like that. So I've been smitten ever since. I had a background in art, and I was a nosy busybody running around town trying to find my way. And I reached out to the Jewish Museum a while back when uh, there was a LGBTQ transgender comedian who came and performed. And that was my introduction to the museum. And I thought, oh, how fabulous that there's this Jewish space that is interested in doing modern work that wants to be eclectic and wants to be fully seeing all of the Jewish world. I feel like I came around right uh, when there was this interest and there were more people knocking on the door saying that the museum needed to have a, um, a collection that really reflected all of the city. I am really glad because this exhibition has really spoken to me and I feel like it helped to show my artistic side to my Jewish spiritual side. And I'm just so smitten with everybody. <laughs> You're a lay leader with the Jews of Color Mishbacha Project. Can you tell us more about that project and what you all do? Yeah. Um, the Jews of Color Mishpacha Project is uh, relatively new. Got started just actually at the start of the pandemic. We are a group of lay leaders from different backgrounds across the Baltimore metro region that are interested in creating a stimulating environment for Jews of various diverse backgrounds who identify as people of color to meet and to have a havruta, so that is a, a, a place to study, and to create a space for people of color to see one another with a Jewish context. 
Right now, that means an online Facebook group. But hopefully, with Omicron coming and going, um, we will be resuming Shabbat dinners. So, Marissa, I want to talk to you about the two paintings that you contributed to a fence around the Torah. Let's start with the one titled, Are You Jewish? What can you tell us about this painting? (sighs) I'm breathing deeply because this painting caused me a lot of anguish. I painted it, then I painted over it because I thought there's no way I, I just can't, I can't put this out into the world. And my thought behind that was, you know, the, the challenge with history is that it involves other people. It involves other people. It often implicates other people. And I just, you know, when I think about being an activist and being someone who says that representation matters, you know, I always like to come at it from a positive standpoint. I have some pretty thick skin. You know, you have to be as a black female sushi chef, you know, over the years, you know, people have said a lot of inappropriate things to me and I've just kind of like brushed it off. And, you know, my form of activism is to just stand up and just continue to be positive and move forward. So when I decided to repaint and put this out into the world, I thought, no, this is something that needs to be said. I think that, you know, living here in Memphis in the South, it's um, it's a different kind of challenge for um, Jews of color in Jewish spaces, because on the one hand, you have plenty of people who understand that our Jewish world is diverse. And when you're in those Jewish spaces, there's a different kind of thought process that goes around and it's like, oh yes, yeah, you belong here. You're Jewish. We know you. That doesn't necessarily apply when you're outside of that Jewish space. And so I decided to tell the story of belonging to a Jewish space and actually the security guard being the one who you know, with their Southern sensibility, you know, saw me as a threat, even though I actually had a key to the building. And uh, (laughs) it it was just, it was a very eye-opening experience in so many different ways. But yeah, I felt like this was something that needed to be said and something that people need to think about, even if it implicates them questioning whether or not someone is Jewish which is, of course, very against our own Jewish principles to ask. In your artist statement for the piece, you describe the experience of being denied entry into a Jewish space. You have the key to enter, as you said. You wrote, we are challenged to ask ourselves how undue threat assessments obscure the sense of community for those that belong. Can you explain more about that tension between belonging and exclusion that you've seen in Jewish spaces? Sure. Um, And, you know, this all comes from me being a Jew in the South. And so that's that's the lens that I'm looking through. There's a big tension. Um, Like I said earlier, you know, you have you have a group of people that, you know, within the context of a Jewish space, they come to understand or or recognize that you obviously belong. 
but it also kind of um, challenges them to think about what that means outside of the Jewish space. It's almost as if sometimes as Southerners, we have two sets of values. We have our Jewish values and we have our Southern values. It's not that I'm saying that Southern values are, you know, we, we other people. But I think that there is a deep-rooted Southern mentality that says, you know, we are who we are, you are who you are, and everybody's so compartmentalized and the merging and blending of cultures, it's relatively new and foreign to the South, I would say. Justin, the section of a fence around the Torah that Marissa's paintings are in is called security. Can you tell us about the questions that the security section is seeking to provoke and where you see Marissa's art responding to them? Yeah, I think Marissa's art is very, actually quite reflective of, of that question of what does safety really mean? The curator in residence, Liara Ostroff, really did a fantastic job combining so many elements. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, security relates to being proactive and being a bit honest with yourself and a bit militant. You know, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday just passed and his family was calling for people to not observe if they weren't going to rally behind the need to increase voting rights. It's not enough just to say you support something if you're not willing to actually write a letter, get up and go do something. I think Marissa's pieces really speak to that feeling of, I'm not just going to reflect on myself, but I'm going to challenge and I'm going to make a space where people like myself can feel welcome. And Justin, the security section of this exhibit asks the question, how does the issue of safety in Jewish spaces connect to broader conversations about safety, justice, and policing in the greater community? In this moment that we're recording, we are a little bit less than a week removed from the hostage situation at Congregation Beth Israel in Colleyville, Texas. And this question feels especially vital. I'm curious if your thoughts about safety in Jewish spaces have changed at all over the years. I feel like the sense of safety, it definitely has grown. In congregations across the country now, we see membership budgets being used to pay for armed security just to come and go from the building. Beth Am, my synagogue where I belong, is in a mixed race neighborhood, a historically Black, historically Jewish neighborhood right beside Drude uh, Hill Park. And, you know, Baltimore as a whole has this terrible history of redlining and of racist, segregationist neighborhoods. So that feeling of security, for me, extends beyond the building itself. Because I'm willing to go hang out in the neighborhood before and after shul. And I think a lot of congregants are in my case, but how many people aren't? How many people only come and go from the parking lot to the building and back? I think that the Jewish populace is really moving and changing in our country towards realizing that to live with the moral high ground doesn't just mean to feel like you're doing the right thing. 
it means to really um, challenge that sense of, am I making the place comfortable? Am I making the place secure? I wish that everyone could say it's beyond just how I feel. It's more about how you feel. Marissa, same question to you. Has your thinking about Jewish community safety changed over the years? And if so, how? Definitely. Back in uh, 2018, I was in New York late October with a group of 10th graders for their yearly confirmation trip. And we visited Central Synagogue for Shabbat services on Friday evening. And after we left, several of the students approached me about how uncomfortable they were about having to go through metal detectors before entering a synagogue. The very next day, the Tree of Life um, incident happened in Pittsburgh. That, of course, changed everything. And, you know, like Justin said, you know, we now have a membership, you know, a line on our dues statement that reflects how much, you know, we pay for security. And just, you know, since watching the evolution of how those, how that incident really kind of changed how here in Memphis, all of the Jewish institutions have looked at security and what that means inside of the buildings. For the most part, I would say that they've done a really good job of working with security guards. Sometimes people Sometimes they make a mishire here and there, (laughs) but for the most part, we feel pretty secure in our institutions here, but I have to agree with Justin also where he talks about how that feels when you're not in the Jewish space. It's an internal thing and, and it brings up broader questions about, you know, well, you know, who, who doesn't belong and who gets to make those decisions about who doesn't belong and how are those decisions vetted? You know, I think that it continues to change this whole idea of security in Jewish spaces. And while we figured out, maybe figured out some of the logistics very well, you know, like having metal detectors or having, you know, bulletproof glass and making sure that people have the active shooter training and that sort of thing, it raises so many more questions about belonging and, you know, the essential question of, are you Jewish and, you know, or why are you here? Marissa, I feel like there's some emotional harm involved in that question of who belongs and who doesn't. Yes. And I feel like it's like, do we need a strategic plan to actively ensure our congregation is reflecting the values of the people? Like at the end of the day, it's, it's that question of, um, do I come here because I feel spiritually whole? Do I come into this space because it reflects a place of, of nostalgia, of comfort, of memory? I feel like that's part of the reason why the exhibition is so powerful, because it, I think, accurately not only brings up those questions, but also provides some answer, which is that we, we get to create a blanket of, of belonging by extending ourselves, by opening up our arms. But it doesn't just happen on its own. You have to actively make it a place that does that. And I think that that's a generational shift. Not that it may not have happened in previous generations, but that we realize, everyone realizes now in 2022, that we can't just assume it's going to happen if we aren't willing to step up. 
Oh, yes, that's yes, absolutely. And, you know, it would be it would be incredible if, you know, there was a way to start having some of these deeper conversations and real conversations with congregational leadership and, you know, and not just in synagogue spaces, of course, in all spaces where Jews interact and come together. But yes, I I think you're right. I think that there's definitely some generational aspects to that. Marissa, you have another painting in this exhibit called Talmud Shanoi that starts with a quote from the Talmud that says, all Israel's responsible for each other. Can you tell us about this painting and what you were trying to say with it? Yes. So I think that um, speaking a little bit more about are you Jewish and how uncomfortable I felt with that piece, you know, exploring the negative side, I wanted to also explore the more positive side because, you know, every experience that I've had as a Jew of color in Jewish spaces has has not been negative and has not been so emotionally damaging. There's been a lot of good. And when I think about what those good things are, I think about different places that I've gotten them. I like to say that I'm a dabbler. (laughs) My husband and I have a synagogue home here in Memphis, but we also visit and daven at other synagogues. So any given time, we could be in an Orthodox space, or we could be in a reform space or a conservative space. And all of these traditions have so much to offer as far as welcoming and just contributing to the overall Jewish tapestry. When you start pulling in even more, like this idea from the Talmud that all Israel is responsible. If you look back at what some of those things are that rabbis in the Talmud really focused on, they're kind of interesting. Some of the things like, you know, how much you can pay for um, a kidnapping ransom. And it, it seems weird and kind of out of place, but if you think about it, that was a contemporary issue of their time that was really important. And and if it was important enough for them to write it down and for it to continue to be studied in Talmud today, then I think that we have to listen to other people who are bringing up these, our contemporary issues. We have to listen to every community. We have to draw from our traditions of, you know, of course, all the branches of Judaism, but we have to draw from the Kabbalists and you know, maybe what they have to say, we have to draw from secular Jews. We have to draw from the LBGTQ community. We have to draw from everyone in order to really weave a strong tapestry that is strong for, you know, our future and the future generations. And that to me is what a safe Jewish space and a safe Jewish community looks like. So, Justin, Marissa is talking about drawing on our traditions, both ancient and contemporary, to seek solutions for a hopeful future, the vitality of the Jewish people. That's from her artist statement for this piece. I'm curious, for for both of you, as we're starting to wrap up, first, Justin, how do you draw upon both Black and Jewish traditions and both ancient and contemporary ones in your communal life? I feel like... Shabbat, keeping the Sabbath is so important Mm -hmm. because it 
whatever that term means to you, it's a matter of setting to stay aside in some way and learning to, to rest, to be still, to try to separate from um, your normal being so you can be mindful. I was actually earlier today looking up um, my, my brother, um, David, did his thesis on being Black and Jewish and looking into the liturgy and all that. And um, there was a terrific quote that I wanted to bring from uh, the singer uh, Joshua Nelson. He, uh, he wrote that in reference to uh, being uh, to being Black and being Jewish, he sings gospel, kosher gospel is the term he uses. Mm-hmm. And um, there was this question where it's like, isn't that conflicting? And he said, there is no conflict. I told him, you already know that Black people were not Christians coming off the slave ship. He says, you know, like, you have to remember that memory that comes from identifying with the text, with the story, with the symbolism. And then you keep those symbols with you. And you, you, I think music is a great way to do that because it allows you to remember what your ancestors cared about and the passion that they had. And then you choose to repeat that passion. You bring it with you and you, you rejoice in the present. You know, the Sabbath is about rejoicing in that regard. We, we, we turn and we say uh, hello to the bride on the Sabbath night, you know, and, and we all bow because we are looking to connect our, our bodies with our, our voice. I also feel like um, another great quote that I'll use is from uh, also from uh, it's, uh, Mr. Nelson is that it's about remembering. He says, we're all about Yisker. We're all about moving forward by embracing the past, and understanding our present so we know where to go. Oh, yeah. so I think the Sabbath is, is absolutely a great tradition that does that because it, it's relatable. I don't think anyone can pretend like it's not. A, it's not. And it allows everyone to interpret it in their own special way. Wow. Yeah, I, you, uh, you talk about the uh, Sabbath bride and I think of um, Joshua Nelson's version of Lakado D. Mm-hmm. It's so joyful and so upbeat. And it's like, sometimes I just, you know, on uh, Friday mornings as I'm getting ready for Shabbat, I, I'm like, <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, it's uh, so wonderful. But I, I will, I will agree with him on Shabbat. I mean, you know, here in our house, we get, we get pretty excited about Shabbat. And as someone who didn't grow up Jewish. I actually grew up in a heavily steeped Christian tradition. On one side of my family, my grandfather um, was a Baptist minister who had a church of his own. And his wife, my grandmother, was, was a mother in the Kojic church. And then on the other side of my family, you had, you know, elders and deacons and you know, more mothers of churches. And one of our big things growing up as a kid, you know, of course, Sunday was our Sabbath, was the food. Everyone connected through community with food. So, you know, it was this big deal to have a Sunday dinner. And so for me, having this special Shabbat dinner on Friday nights, and then maybe having, you know, a luncheon or something on Saturday is, 
is my way of bringing in traditions, you know, from, from my black culture of, you know, gathering with food. I mean, food is the big, the big cultural binder. And like Justin said, just, you know, rejoicing in this day that we have, however you decide to celebrate it or rest on it, that's one of the biggest things for us, as well as the holidays. The holidays, we really kind of go nuts. (laughs) Because again, most holidays are, you know, so food based. And I think that, you know, being Black and Jewish, those are, that's like, the place where one of the places where it really intersects is through the food. That's Marissa Baggett. Marissa Baggett is a multidiscipline creative who, as she puts it, combines contemporary sensibilities with beloved Jewish traditions via kosher food, paintings, and writing. Thank you so much, Marissa. Thank you. I've also been joined by Justin Fair. Justin Fair is a lay leader with the Jews of Color Mishpacha Project, and he was on the curatorial panel for Offense Around the Torah. Justin, thanks for joining us, too. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to Disloyal. We hope you enjoyed the podcast, and we'd love to hear your feedback. Our email address is disloyal at jewishmuseummd.org. You can follow us on Twitter at jewishmuseummd or on Instagram at jewishmuseum underscore md. And if you're in Baltimore, come visit. Go to jewishmuseummd.org for more information and to become a member if you're interested in supporting content like this podcast. Visit offensearoundthetorah.com to check out our latest art exhibit. Disloyal is a production of the Jewish Museum of Maryland and is produced and hosted by me, Mark Unnery, with production assistance from Naomi Weintraub, the Jewish Museum of Maryland's community artist and residence. Our executive director is Saul Davis. You can subscribe to Disloyal wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes each Friday. Until next time, take care. Take care.